Hello and welcome to Say a Little Prayer Nigeria. My name is Sharon Tanko and I am your host. Now, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He has never changed and he will never change. He has loved you even from before he conceived you. And he proved that by giving you unlimited access to him. But do you know how to love him back? He gave us the answer eons before Jesus ever set foot on this planet. And in a sentence, it is obedience to love by faith. You see, faith pleases God and obedience proves your love. Now, in this journey through the book of Proverbs, we break down the instruction and we learn what true love should look like. Now, it may not be easy, but I guarantee you that it will be worth it. Listen and be blessed. Good evening. So tonight, we're talking on the third, fourth, and fifth chapters of the book of Proverbs. Honestly, there's a lot in here, so we're going right into it. But before we do, shall we say a little prayer? Heavenly Father, it's us again. Thank you for keeping us and gathering us once again to hear your words, to hear good words from you. Let them light our paths and guide our way through this valley of the shadow of death. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, right away, I've got to tell you that uh, chapter 3, verse 5, 6, and 7, they're it. You see, right here, he's saying that you've got to be 100% absolutely dependent on God. You have to involve him in everything and in every aspect of your day, especially the important ones. But we all know that every single breath we take is important to God. So yeah, we're back to every aspect of your day. Because if you involve him in every single thing you do, even as little as making coffee or, or greeting a random stranger, he'll direct you. And in doing so, he will give you maximum effect. No crooked paths, no stumbling, no need to make up for defects because there will be none. However, in this chapter 3, between verses 5 to 8, you'll see something that is really, I want to say dark, but I'm going to say enlightening. Now, if you remember John 10.10, 10, but the thief commit not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. It's actually here in 7 and 8. He's basically warning you to try not to be wise in your own eyes. Don't try to be a sharp guy. Don't be like, you know these streets, you're familiar with the process. Why? Why is he asking you not to do that? Because evil will only bring you sickness and decay. See, sticking to God, sticking with God, isn't about preventing your defilement. It's more about preventing your destruction. The devil is not here to play games with you. He's not here to toy with your emotions, to trip you up, make you feel bad, make you feel sad. That creature is actually legit trying to kill you. He's trying to steal from you, to destroy you so totally that even if he doesn't end you, even if he's not able to end you, there is no way you can even hope for a recovery. And that is why God is advising you to involve him in everything. See, Satan is a great deceiver. He's had at least 6,000 years to hone his skill. That's a lot of years before you even existed on this earth. So trust me, 
you don't have nearly enough experience to combat that, that kind of talent on your own. At least not on a physical level. So you've got to get spiritual. And it's either God or the devil. And you already know that the devil is not going to give you any means whatsoever you can use to combat him. Now, I'm not going to stick here because there's a lot of ground to cover. So, I'm going to touch on it because I'm sure that a lot of you still have issues with it and, you know, whatnot. Verse 9 of chapter 3. First fruits. Now, before I even say a thing, let me just tell you, anything, anything can be a doctrine if you do not have understanding of why it exists in the first place. The law of giving and receiving is eternal. The law of sowing and reaping is eternal. You cannot claim it exists in part but not in whole. It is either it is or it isn't. So if sowing and reaping is still a thing in one aspect, then it's a thing in all aspects. Even, even in science, there is a law. Every action has an opposite and corresponding reaction, or something like that. So that is, that is forgiving. But for first fruits, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. But I'm going to give a scenario first. So you've got two friends, Ade and Ayo. Both of them have been struggling and hustling for a while. And because you're able to, and you have the means to, you have decided to help them to secure a job. Both of them are drummers, so you got both of them gigs. Now, you got Ade a gig as the lead drummer for Bonaboy's concert in Lagos. He got paid five million, and I said, thank you, he gave you 500,000. That's great, right? Okay. But you got Ayo a gig to play the first half of the first set in Ashake's uh, concert in Port Harcourt. And he got paid like, 200k and he gave it all to you because he understands that he wouldn't have even gotten the job in the first place and he wants you to understand he's very grateful and he recognizes you as his helper now you have just been charged with the responsibility of securing a drummer for whiskey's concert in london who would you pick now both of them have done you well both of them know that you have the ability to lift them um, and transform their careers they're both skilled players, very fantastic drummers. You've never seen drummers like them before. And they both moved you so thoroughly that you couldn't help but be touched by their generosity. One of them gave you 500K out of 5 million, and the other one gave you 200,000, which you know, even though he didn't tell you, that that was all he made from the gig you got for him last time. Now... Before everybody here tries to be wise in their own eyes, I am pleading with you to answer this question as Christ-like as you probably, possibly can. And we're moving on. That's all I'm saying about first fruits, so we're moving on. So, you know, you know God is a loving God. He cares for you. Everything he does, he does with you right there in the center of his thoughts. He wants the best for you physically, mentally, financially, even emotionally. So you have to be careful. You have to be careful to have the right attitude towards correction. Case in point is with this first fruit issue. 
Yes, Jesus became the perfect offering, the first fruit for all believers, all sons of God. But Jesus is not dead, right? He's still there. He's still alive, which means he's still a seed, which means he's still the first fruit. He's still a first fruit. That means first fruit is still and will forever always be a thing because he is forever. So don't sour when God corrects you. Because you only correct people that you care about. Even when you want to argue for the life of you that you are, uh, you don't give a damn about this person. If you're being truly, completely honest with yourself, you realize that you care about the person. Even if it's just a little bit, you care enough to correct them. Now, this correction does not mean go and judge people. Nobody's asking you to judge people. But there is a way to correct a person without having to judge them. There's a balance. Your job is to find the right balance and to find the right method. Now, for you, that is being corrected. You have to try to understand why you are being corrected in the first place. Now, it may sting, it may hurt, it may be insulting and degrading, and you may be very tempted to take offense if you've not taken offense already. But I would encourage you to change your perspective just a little. See, if you stand at one corner of your room, you'll only see things from that corner. But making decisions on how to set up your space based on how you viewed it from only one corner is weak. And nobody does that. Rather, you look from different angles and then you conclude on what would look good and serve the most purpose. So don't hold grudges against people and especially against God. He's only ever really thinking about you. It's, 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 it's why he's hammering so strongly on knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Because when you amass the knowledge and you understand how to use it, how to apply it, it is more valuable to you than just riches. See, if he gives you wealth and you make a rookie mistake and you lose it, if you lack the wisdom to gain it back, then it is gone for good. It is wasted. But if you took the time to gain the wisdom of how, then its reward is life and riches. And now I want to show you something in chapter 3, verse 25. Um, I'll read. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or panic, nor for the storm of the wicked when it comes since you will be blameless. Do you see how far back God told you that he didn't blame you, that he doesn't blame you? God doesn't punish people. Sin does. I know a lot of you have questions about this, so I'm going to clear it now. God does not punish people. Sin does. So get it out of your head that God is punishing you or he sent a plague to besiege you or it's his way of correcting you. He's not like that. That's not his method of correction. He does not use pain. He uses love. God is a God of love and love only. I mean, honestly, do you think that Jesus went through the whole process of the cross, the beating, the humiliation, the shame, the degradation, and somehow you caught him by surprise now? So what is happening, what is actually happening, is that somehow, some way, you left a space for that damn devil to crawl in and to harass you see don't blame god because he's probably telling you where the hole is and how to plug it but 
you don't want to because you know you want to be human you just want to be normal you have a right to be enraged it happens and you may have a right but god requires you to live outside of your feelings out of your emotions outside of your personal takes on things no judging no condemning no grudging no executing those are spaces that certain uses to get to you and some of you can be like i'm not judging no but personally, eh, I feel that dot, dot, dot. But that is still judgment. Withholding a deserved kindness or reward, you know, that's another avenue for the devil to crawl into you. So you've got to be careful of things like this. They, they sneak up on you. And that's why you've got to be vigilant. That's why you've got to watch and pray. Even nature has a way of enlightening you on it. You know, some of the deadliest animals on earth are the most colorful, the most attractive. Look at the jellyfish, for example. It looks harmless. It looks fragile. It looks pretty. But you cannot touch a tentacle because it will shock you what will happen. So, no. No. Don't be letting the devil in because you think God is asking too much of you. Or you're vexed because he will not let your negative desires flourish. You have to learn to accept the correction with grace and understanding that maybe, just maybe, a being that is older than time knows what he is talking about. Now, if you feel so inclined, you can argue that this book of Proverbs is Solomon talking, it's not God. But then I'll have to ask you two, mm, three questions. Number one, who gave him the wisdom? Number two, is he asking you to do something that he didn't do? Number three, how did it work for Solomon when he asked for wisdom? See, the results support the advice. Besides, the Bible is God's communication to us, so we understand who he is and who we are, our past position, our present position, and our future position. Now, if you still have the energy to argue that the Bible was canonized, and so we're reading what the people who structured the Bible want us to read for their convenience. I'll say this to you. Do you think that the master of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, creator of beings, supreme Lord of time and eternity, the all-sufficient one, the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscience God, was somehow thwarted by a room full of men. And do you honestly think that the Bible serves them more than it serves God? You see, Satan can try, eh? but God defeated him long before he fell. And it's God's will that will be done, God's will alone. I hope this helped. All right, the clock is ticking. Um, I apologize not really for taking so much time on chapter 3, but it had so many answers to a lot of questions that I just had to. So we're going to have to wrap through the rest so we can make up for time. Now, going into chapter 4, I will say this. Wisdom is more than just knowledge. It is knowing when and how to apply it. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but without wisdom, it doesn't really mean much. It also doesn't mean much without understanding either because understanding deals with the why of the knowledge while wisdom is more along the lines of how. Now, the reason in part why wisdom is always paired with understanding is to preserve the knowledge for what it is. See, Satan thrills in perverting wisdom or knowledge. I mean, look at the world today. I'll give you an example. Uh, child rituals. 
also known as abortions. They are a thing. You know, something that was invented uh, in, in a bid to salvage a life, you know, rather than losing two. It's a hardcore, but it was one bone of necessity. Rather than losing two, you save the life that is salvageable. But somehow, it has now turned into, evolved into a means of escaping responsibility. You see people fighting for the right to slaughter a child. But they will be aghast if you run over a cat in the middle of the street. It's strange, personally, I think. They don't understand that life is precious. It has always been and it will always be. And the way one wouldn't like to pay for the sins of one's father or mother, parent, is the way one shouldn't expect an unborn child to pay for the sins of another or even their own sins. It, 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 is, it is not a bundle of cells. Okay? And even if that is your argument, what is the smallest singular living thing? Is it not a cell? Is that not the definition of a cell? So it is still alive. And every human being is a bundle of cells. So really, I would have loved to emphasize a lot more on this, but I can't. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just take a moment of your time to look up the process of abortion. You know, there are two options. I think one was the old method and then there's the new method, or I don't even really understand that uh, time frame. But there are two options. One is by poisoning, and the other one is by dismembering and then crushing the skull. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that you can poison something that is not alive. I'll just leave it at that. So wisdom and understanding help you safeguard that knowledge and keep it in the light, you know, away from Satan's perverse grasp. This, this quest for understanding, it will make you more diligent in protecting your heart, in guarding your heart, because you're not just looking at things on the surface. You're not just assuming or making judgment calls on things that you see or hear and think as is. You ask the question, why? And God doesn't mind you asking why. If he did, he wouldn't ask you to ask so, taking the time to understand will just make it that much harder for the devil to mislead you. Now, I wanted to gloss over this, but I'm not going to. But bear in mind, I am not the one giving the advice. I did not write the book of Proverbs, neither did I inspire it. I'm just a mouthpiece. So, please remember. And also, considering everything that you have learned today, Please remember that God is not spitting on you. He just loves you. Chapter 5 of Proverbs can be looked at either on the surface level, which is simply, you know, avoid infidelity because you'll pay for it some way, somehow, or it can be deeper, which is basically uh, to pay close attention with your spirit so that you are not successfully deceived and robbed of all your wealth by the very demons that you sought to please. See, marriage is a contract. And forgive me for going into this whole contract thing because, you know, my first profession is law, so I'm a bit strict about it. But marriage is a contract. A breach of a contract will always carry consequences. Now, unfortunately for people, they don't know that life is involved in this, and life is more of a spiritual gig. So they only look at the consequences on the paper level. They never really look at the consequences on a spiritual level. 
Because it's an agreement to fuse two lives to become one. So you are one body and one person. You know, when I was growing up, my dad used to tell us, um, me and my siblings, about our people and how tough they were. You know, there was this particular story that he told us about a man whose uh, last toe had been uh, causing him tremendous pain. So he took a knife and he chopped it off. Now that story stuck with me and, and I was so proud of it. I was so proud that you would think that the story was about me. And I used to think, wow, that must have taken guts. If those are my people, then, then that could be me. I could be tough like that. I could be hardened like that man. It took me a long time to understand that that, that was a stupid thing to do. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it takes about five minutes for a man to bleed to death from a stab wound, right? And I'm not even talking about a hole as big as your last toe. A lot of things could have gone wrong. If he had not bled to death, there could have been infections that would have led to an amputation just hovering on the horizon. And I'm pretty sure you're wondering what that, that has to do with this marriage thing, right? Um, two people have been merged to become one body. Whenever one of you who is in this one body, that is now a one body, whenever one of you breaks the contract that combined you, that merged you, it's the equivalent of that foolish man chopping off his toe. Now, I can't really recall the rest of the story other than he survived. You know, I don't know, um, I don't know if he got amputated or anything. It wasn't relevant to me. All that mattered at that time was I wanted to be brave enough to be able to chop off my toe. <laughs> uh, kids. But a married couple is one person. When they see husband, they see the wife. When they see wife, they see the husband. You are the same person. So if you think that it is hurting her more than it is hurting you, give it time. You know, there are a lot of options for this, this one too. It's either somehow you preserved your leg, your marriage leg, but you capture an infection instead. You lose the leg up to the knee, you lose the leg as a whole, or you die. All of this is figuratively speaking, by the way. But something will definitely happen. Little as that last toe is, it is still a necessary, relevant part of the body for balance. Now, somehow, somehow, because God is merciful, if you're able to preserve, if you're able to salvage your relationship after such um, self-sabotaging betrayal, you're going to spend a, a, a time limping, you're going to be dependent on crutches to get from point A to point B. And marriage is a lifetime commitment. Personally, I feel that that's a hell of a long time to be walking on crutches. But, you know, you have hope because with God, all things are possible. He could give you a new toe. I mean, if he could give Kenneth E. Hagen new organs, then I'm pretty sure he can give you a new toe. You just have to try not to chop it off again. Now, the lesson from this is simple, and I don't mean to sound this sensitive, but the lesson from this is simple. There is only one entity in a marriage. All actions will affect the man and the wife the same. 
either now or later. The law of giving and receiving will apply here as well because it's a spiritual law. So you know you've got to turn to a spirit who will actually help you. It's either that or you die in your sin. But the choice is yours and he will not take it away from you. Okay, we'll end it here. Thank God. Um, really, there was a whole lot more here, but we hopped and skipped and I'm convinced that we we're able to kill a lot of birds. So that's good. But you can still read through this with a new clarity and, and hopefully capture some of the things that we missed with the help of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so let's say a little prayer and bid ourselves adieu. Heavenly Father, I love you. I love that you're not tired of me. And I love that your love for me is not based on anything that I have done or anything that I will do. Daddy, please help me to seek more than just knowledge, but understanding as well, so that I may apply the wisdom that you have opened my eyes to, to achieve maximum effect. Thank you for thinking about me. Thank you for helping me to think about you. I really do love you, Lord, more than anything. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, then. It's been quite a, a night. Uh, if you would please just read up on Proverbs 6 to 9. I'll see you next week, Tuesday, same time. Till then, stay blessed. Goodbye. My name is Sharon Tanko and I hope you were blessed by this sermon and that it opened your heart to new knowledge from our Father. For those of you who haven't taken that vital step in accepting Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, but would like to do so now, please say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know that you went to the cross and died for me. I know that on the third day you rose. I know you did this because you love me. You showed me a deeper love, a love that goes beyond dying and into overcoming death. And now, knowing this, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my life today, sweet Lord, so that I may be one with the Father. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your forgiveness and I thank you for this great love. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you just said that prayer with me, thank you and welcome to the kingdom of God. My brother, my sister, God will have his way with you. Now, if you would like to reach out to me, feel free to do so at Say a Little Prayer Nigeria. That is Say a Little Prayer NG both on Instagram and on Facebook. I would love to share and pray with you. If you want to learn more beyond the podcast, you can visit my pastor, Reverend Delis Ntanko, both on Facebook and on YouTube. His, his preaching is easy to follow 
and it's easier still to grasp and have a deeper, more precise understanding of our Heavenly Father. If this podcast has inspired you and you feel the need to sow a seed into it, you can give an offering at 0140-323659. That is 0140-323659, Guaranteed Trust Bank. Or you can give at 151-1321-721. That is 151-1321-721 at Access Bank. God bless you as you give. God bless you as you give. Now, don't forget to say a little prayer for you and your loved ones. Thank you and stay blessed.